Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, Merry Christmas, and welcome to Waterhouse Church. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, I want to take a second and honor some people today as we're settling back down and uh, have a few things we're doing today. And uh, isn't God so good? <laughs> Man, Man I, I've cried more in the last two hours than I have in a long time. Uh, God's so good to meet us in this place. And we have a men's group that meets on Monday nights at 6.30, and we've been learning how to be better men. We've been learning how to uh, be all that God's called us to be. And, and if you haven't made any of those men's groups, we would love to invite you to come every Monday at 630. Um, God's been doing a phenomenal work in the men of this church, and uh, it's just been a beautiful thing. And we all got together and we said, hey, why don't we do something for, the, for some people in our church and in the community? It's, it's okay. I'm a bass player. It's okay. Um, why don't we get together and help out people in our community and our church. So what we started doing is we started collecting some money, and we want to bless uh, some people in this church. We want to pray for you and bless you because, you know, this time of year can be very difficult uh, for certain people, especially people living on a single income. Uh, I came from a single family, single home family for a long time, and I understand what it, what it takes to go, what, it, what you go through. And so what we want to do, if you're a single mom today, we would love to bless you. And so if you're a single mom, go and stand up. It's okay. You can stand up. We want to bless you. And so, thank you. What we're going to do is I want you to come forward. We're going to pray with you, and we're going to give you a gift card to help you this year uh, with Christmas. And we just want to say thank you for taking the mantle. So what I want you to do is go find, go find somebody to pray with, and they're going to pray for you, and then they're going to bless you, and then we're going to pray for them as a church, okay? There we go. We'll get them to where they need to be. Um, it just takes a little bit of hearing the heart of God to reach people. And we're so glad that we're able to do this for these single moms. And um, I know there's a few here that aren't here this morning. We'll make sure that we bless them as well. And so I just want to pray for them. Can we pray for them as they pray for them and bless them? Father God, I lift up every single mom in this place today. God, I pray that you would touch them. Lord, I pray that you would give them everything that they need to raise their children. God, I pray that you'd meet every physical need they have. God, I pray that they would know that they're not alone and that there's a people that love them, that care for them. There's men in the church that are safe. There's men in the church that love them and their wives love them. And God, this is a safe place for them to come. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that opportunity to serve these beautiful women, God, that you serve them and that you raise them and that we can serve their children, God, that we can raise their kids and, and lift them up, God, and encourage them and be a resource for them, God. We thank you for all you're doing. We thank you, God, for loving them. And God, help us to love them the same way that you do. God, we thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Good job. Everybody get one? Okay. So, whew, thank you guys. It's awesome. It's good. It's good. Thank you, men, for, for doing something. Thank you, men, for doing something. And so if my wife can come up and you can bring that little white notebook, we get to do something else today, and then we're going to have a sermon, trust me, eventually. But it's okay. God can do what he wants to do, right? Um, and so we get to dedicate a baby. We haven't got to do this in a long time. Dedication. So it's going to be good. And, uh, and we get to dedicate uh, one of my students. He actually grew up, he was actually in our youth group, and I, get to, he got to, I was a youth pastor for a while, and he, I guess he's okay. I mean, but no, he, he serves our, our military, and so we thank him for that as well. And uh, uh, beautiful. So if Tim, you and your family want to come up, we get to uh, dedicate baby Peyton. And she's a sweet girl. <laughs> you know, it makes you feel old when you're letting your youth kids bring kids. You know, it's like, well, I'm old, but it's okay. Hey, kid, it's okay. So I'll take this. And hand out the stuff. Got the bear. We all need a tape. We should just hand out teddy bears to everybody. It'd be good. So this is Peyton Ellis Chancellor. Um, she's a beautiful, beautiful daughter, Tim. Beautiful daughter. And so we want to bless them. And so this is more, it's not really more of dedicating the baby, but dedicating the parents to raise the baby in the way that God should send them. And so we're asking the Lord to bless the parents and to bless Peyton, that, that the Lord would pursue her with his goodness all of her life. Because one day she's going to have to make that choice to follow him. And we want to make it as easy as possible that she sees the parents' lives, that she sees the lives of their family members and how they serve God, and that when they make that choice to serve God, they could say, I want to serve the God of my fathers and the God of my grandfathers. I want to serve that God. And so we want to raise them in the way it's life. So we have some gifts to help you guys commemorate this and also a challenge for you and a challenge for you guys. And so we have some gifts off. First off, we have this little gift bag there because Peyton's a gift. She's a gift. God has given her to you. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for him, from him. And so, Tim, I want to ask you this question. Do you recognize that Peyton is a gift from God? Good. And thank God and glorify God for the gift of a daughter. Yes, she's a gift. Never forget that. And so we also have oil. Oil is semblance of the Holy Spirit. And he is always present. And he is always pulling us to know God and, to, and to, to understand who God is and leading us to say yes to Jesus. And so in 1 Samuel 1.27, we see that Hannah prayed for a child and she gave this child back to the Lord. And this is what she said. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped and she worshiped the Lord there. And so she asked the Lord to use 
Samuel in a powerful way. And we all know the story Samuel is using in a powerful way. And so we ask that God would use Peyton in a powerful way and that his spirit would chase her down when it's time for her to say yes to Jesus, that she says yes. And so the question I have for the whole family here is do you accept the responsibility to pray for Peyton, to know Christ fully, and one day trust fully in him? And will you, with God's help, devote your lives fully to God so Peyton will understand what it means to live as a follower of Jesus? Good. And we also have Plato here because, you know, life... Kids are like Play-Doh. When they're first, when they're little, they're formable. This is their formidable years, right? When they're little, so much happens within the first eight years of their life. And, and so their lives are like this. They're, they're, they're moldable and they're formable. And we as parents are, are called to mold our children in the way that's right. But we also know what happens when you leave Play-Doh out in, in the air for a while, right? It's it hard and it stays that way. You really can't do anything with it. And so the challenge is for you as parents and family members to raise her that way when her life gets older and she's left out in the elements, that the way that she's formed will stick, and it's God's way. And so the Proverbs is 22.6. says, train up a child in the way she, she should go, and when she is old, she will not depart from it. It's training her up. It's molding her. And so family, do you promise to help mold Peyton into what God wants her to be? to pray for her, to love her as Christ loves you. Okay. We also have a coin here because a coin represents value. She is valuable to God, and she is valuable to the family. And also, any kid that's a part of the church is valuable to the church. We see value in kids. We see value in children. That's why I have kids ministry. That's why I have youth ministry, because we see value in them. And Matthew 6, 19 says, do not store your treasures here on earth where moss and us and, and moss eat and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be as well. Our desire is to see people come into the kingdom. You know where your treasure is? It's in heaven. And our treasure mostly is people in heaven. And so this is a challenge to the church. It's a challenge for you guys. So church, do you accept the responsibility to offer your ongoing love, support, and prayers and encouragement to this family of this child? Yes. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> All right. And so this is a coin to commemorate that as well. And so I want to pray a blessing over them. It's uh, Psalm 139, 13 through 8. It's, it's a psalm saying how, how wonderful we're made, through God, that he created us. And so we play this blessing, and there's also a, a letter for Peyton when she turns 13 from me for her to open. And it's just an invitation to say yes to Jesus. And so we get to pray this blessing. So everybody stand up, and we're going to bless baby Peyton. I'm going to lay my hands on Peyton. For you have formed Peyton's inward parts, Lord. You knitted her together. In her mother's womb, you, we praise you, Lord, for she is fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Let her soul know it very well. Her frame was never hidden from you when she was being made in secret, intricately woven into the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw her unformed substance. In your book, Lord, were written every one of her days that you formed for her, for her, and as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O, o God, of her. How vast is the sum of them. 
Lord, I pray that she would count every one of them because they're more than sand. Let her awake every day and know that you're always with her. Amen. Amen. So it's been an honor to, to bless her and to thank you. Thank you, Tim, for, getting, for letting us share this with you and baby Peyton, and we love you guys. So thank you. Thank you. You get a hug, of course. I'm a hugger, people, so you better watch out. It's good. Whew, good day. Good day. Man. Awesome. I just want to give a shout out to everybody who helped yesterday. Uh, number one, we helped at uh, um, Center of Hope. We had a prayer team out there praying for people as they went through the Center of Hope uh, Christmas, I don't know what to call it, extravaganza or drive through. Um, so we were there helping out as well. And then we had our live nativity last night. It was awesome. Who got to go to that? Like, it was cool. Like, we had real camel and we had real animals and a baby, fake baby Jesus, but it was okay. Um, it was a little cold for a baby, but it was, it was a good day. And we just got to love our community and, and share Jesus with them. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone who served uh, last night at the nativity. And so I just want to pray and open up into the word this morning. So, Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that you would just open my mouth to speak your words. God, calm my heart, calm my mind. Let me say only what you want me to say. And God, I pray that you open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. So we are continuing this series called Mixed Bag. And... Uh, you know, because Christmas is a mixed bag. It's good and it's bad. There's really there's a lot of good stuff going on in Christmas, but there's also some things that are not so good, and they're also um, can be a little difficult. Last night or yesterday, we got to pray with Center Pope, like we talked about. And as those people were driving through, they were getting good things. They were getting food. They were getting some of them got Christmas trees. They were getting loved on by the community. Other churches were involved, and they were handing out things. And, and they were getting blessed everywhere they went. But yet, even in their cars, when we pray with them, we saw the hopelessness in their, in their, in their eyes. And we would, we would pull up to them, and we would knock on the window and say, hey, can I pray with you? And he was talking about that this morning. You could just see their demeanor go, yes. And we could talk to some of these people, and they're just the stuff they're going through is heartbreaking. They don't know where to go. Most of them didn't choose the things that happened to them. And this, even in the Christmas time, it seems to magnify, and, and they don't know where to go. But we have hope, and that's what Christmas is about. It's about hope in the most hopeless time that we know. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12. We're going to read that, and we're going to get into the message, because this happened, this story happened in the most hopeless time in the nation of Israel. They were occupied by Romans, by the Romans. Uh, they were uh, overtaxed by them, and then plus the religious leaders of the time took advantage of them. It was just a bad, bad season in the midst of what they're going through. But Jesus was about to come, and the miracle was about to happen. And in Luke chapter 2, we record the night that Jesus was born, and we see how God introduced Jesus to a bunch of rednecks that are shepherds, because that's what they were back then. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Beautiful story, because you think about why did this angel go and speak to shepherds of all people? Because if a king was born, it would not be announced to shepherds, it would be announced to nations. But yet this angel comes to these low people to tell them the good news. And, and, and that's what God does. He works through the least of us to reach the most of us. And see, Christmas is this time of God coming down and, and reaching us. And so this sign that this angel's talking about, here's the sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in snug cloths in a manger. He's, he, they're saying, the angel is saying that this sign is a spiritual reality. It's a physical thing, but a spiritual reality. And a sign is this, a physical object or act that points to a spiritual reality. That's what a sign is. The sign of Jesus coming as a baby is, is fulfilled in Isaiah's prophetic word. In Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, we know this to be Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus coming here and he's God with us. The prophet Micah speaks of where he's going to be born, in Bethlehem. Matthew, uh, Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Epirath, but you uh, only, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The prophet Micah says, The creator of all things, from the distant past, before time began, he's coming to you in the form of a baby in Bethlehem. The prophets knew. The prophets waited for this Messiah to come. The shepherds were out there tending their flock, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Savior to come and to set them free. That's what Christmas is about. It's about hope. It's about Jesus coming to earth and being with us. This king of all the universe coming down into the earth in the form of a helpless baby. Like I said, it was very cold last night, and we had to use a fake baby Jesus. It looked pretty real once it was wrapped up. But it was too cold to put an actual child out there because they're so fragile. They can't handle being out there for three hours in the cold. They, they need someone to care for them and to love them. Do you think about Jesus when he was born that people had to, he had to be nursed, he had to be burped, he had to be changed? Like Jesus was a person, he was a human being, but yet we so often forget that he is human and that he was also a king. See, kings, when they were born, they were born with trumpet blasts. But Jesus had no trumpet blast. He was born in silence and saw two Kings were born, were wrapped in finest clothes and garments, but yet he was wrapped in rags. Kings were viewed by the most influential people on the planet. But all that came to Jesus' birth was a few raggedy shepherds. <laughs> kings were waited on hand and foot, but Jesus came to serve those people in low stature and high stature. He served all. Kings do not die for their people, but Jesus came to die for us. In fact, people die for kings, but Jesus died for every one of us. He came in the lowest possible way possible. Why did he come the way he did? Why did Jesus come in the form of a baby? Why did he come 
as a hopeless, a hopeless little baby because he wants to relate to us. We want to relate to him. He wants us to know him and he wants to fully know us. He came to us so that we may know him and that we may follow him. It's hard to relate to people that you that don't seem to have any struggles, right? There was a, uh, a men's lunch that I went to and a politician was there, somebody who represents our state. And I was going there not expecting much because, you know, I'm like, this guy doesn't understand what we go through. You know, I'm the lowly tax collect, you know, taxpayer, so he's going to tell me why I need to support him and all this stuff. But when he was there, he didn't talk about any politics. He just talked about his story. And he was sharing his struggles. He was sharing how he got a divorce and how he went through depression and anxiety and like he lost his family and all these things that happened to him because he lost sight of who God was. And, and then by the end of it, I was looking at this man going, wow. I didn't know your story, but now that I know your story, I can relate to you because you know what? I've been through some of that stuff. Not exactly, but the pain he's experienced, the sorrow he's felt, the feeling of hopelessness that he went through. I felt that. And so I could relate to this man. So I no longer saw him as a politician. I saw him as a person and I saw him as a man that I could relate to and a brother in Christ that I can pray for. I could relate to him. And you and me, we can relate to Jesus because Jesus went through all the things we went through. He understands what it means to be human. He understands what it means to be poor. He understands what it means to go hungry, to go thirsty, to be in pain. We can relate to Jesus because Jesus related to us. Jesus was man, but he was also fully God. And so many of us think that God is this big CEO in heaven that doesn't understand what we go through. But you know, he does. He knows what we go through. He knows what goes on in the mailroom because he worked in the mailroom. He sorted the mail. He hammered the nails. He, he went through all the things that we go through. He served the lowest people there were to serve, and he served the highest people there were to serve. He was born into this world and lived it out. He knows our joys. He knows our pain. He knows what it means to go hungry. He knows what it means to be disappointed. He knows the heartbreak of losing a loved one. He knows the crushing weight of betrayal. And he knows what it means to be filled with sorrow. In fact, Isaiah the prophet talked about this man, Jesus, in Isaiah 53. And we're going to really dive in. This is just a little precursor. At the beginning of the year, we're going to dive into Isaiah 53 because I, I believe that the Lord is wanting us to get reacquainted with who Jesus truly is. And so the beginning of year in January, we're really going to be diving into Isaiah 53. And we're also starting off with 21 days of prayer because we need to pray. And so January 1st to January 21st, Monday through Friday, we're going to be in here at 630 praying. Well, some of us will be in here at 630 praying. Hope as many of you can join as possible. You can pray at home as well. But we're going to be praying and reacquainting ourselves to Jesus. So we need to realign with who he is because I think we forget about who he is. Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. If you looked at Jesus, there's nothing look, worth looking at or worth following, just seeing him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He was acquainted with our grief. He was acquainted with sorrows. But we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. 
Jesus came in the way he did because he wanted us to be in relationship with us. He wanted us to know him and to be fully known. And I think we think that God's so far removed from us that he doesn't know what we go through or know the pain that's in our hearts. But the whole story of Christmas is this, that God is with us. Emmanuel. He came and he dwelt among us. He walked among us. He felt the pains that we feel. He, go, he went through all the things that we go through. He understands us. He gets us. That's what's beautiful about Jesus. He knows who we are. He's saying, I'm among you, and I can be fully known and know you fully. He can say, I felt that. When you come to him and say, Lord, I'm feeling this, I felt that. He can say, man, that, that thing that's tempting you that you think you can't overcome, I've been tempted. You can overcome it. That pain you're feeling, I felt the pain. I know what you're going through. I sympathize with you. But Jesus tells all of us, he's overcome it all. And he's saying, come to me and let me show you how to overcome. He's the example. He's the pattern. He's the one we follow after. See, we have this person that represents us to the Father. We have this high priest, as Hebrews puts it, that sits at the right hand of the Father, that, that gets us, that sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.14 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Why do we hold firmly? Because we have Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. He's our, he's our high priest. And this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He knows what we go through. He sympathizes with us. This word understanding in other translations is, is translated sympathy. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings, that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne room of grace and there will receive mercy and who will find grace to help us when we need it the most. The writer of Hebrews gets it. He's saying the Lord knows what we've been through. He's our great high priest. He represents us. He is the pattern. He is the one we're supposed to follow after. The word sympathize means to share the feelings of or understand the sentiments of. Some people just need to know that you're there and that you understand. When we're at the center of hope, those people just needed someone to touch them and say, I love you. I know what you're going through. I've been there, but you can overcome. You're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. I don't know how many people we looked at yesterday praying for and just, you know, just it's going to be okay. God's got you. God's going to take care of it. They just need some hope. Jesus is that hope. He suffered alongside us. He knows what it means to suffer. And he suffered more than any of us. So he understands our weakness. And so many of us say, well, my temptations are too strong. I can't get past this. My struggle's too real. But Jesus is saying, I did it. You can do it. I did it. I showed you the way. Follow me and I will help you through. His life is proof that we can. Because he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. The beauty of Jesus is that his scars are proof of his pain. And he knows what it takes to get through. I love what one theologian put about Jesus' struggles and our temptations. Because we think that because we're tempted that we can't make it. But Jesus is the great example. And so he was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. And the theologian says, tempted in every way doesn't mean that he met each specific type of temptation we face. 
Meaning he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he didn't have Facebook. He didn't have social media. He didn't all that stuff. But he's still tempted in the same kind of way. But he's saying a sample of the entire range of options for sinning fell on Jesus. If there's a way to sin, it fell on Jesus. Because Jesus never yielded to sin, we know that he faced more intense temptation. The more you go, the more you face that temptation and the more you, you go against it, the more the enemy's going to push it at you even stronger. It's like, oh, you don't like that Mars bar? Well, here's a Snickers, right? <laughs> here's a king-size Kit Kat. And then they have those big ones that are like, you know, full-size. I hope I get one for Christmas. <laughs> full-size Kit Kat, you know, like the eat it on it forever. And the 20-foot gummy bears, you know, all the stuff. It's temptation. It just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but Jesus overcame it. And the enemy, the whole time Jesus was on earth, kept pushing temptation at him. Come on, give up, give up, give up, Jesus. You can't give up. Scripture says that Jesus' face was hard-lined on the goal. That's a paraphrase. He's hard-lined on the goal. He knew the goal. He knew who he was. Therefore, he's, he, could, he was able to resist temptation. And temptation is simply grabbing something that wasn't meant for you, grabbing something that's less than you have designed in your life. It's stepping out of the pattern of your life into a different pattern. That's what temptation is. When you, when you, fall, when you fall in temptation, you fall into that and you say, I'm going to take that even though it's outside the pattern of my life. And that temptation is trying to draw you out of that pattern of your life. Jesus is the pattern that we need to follow, not the temptation. That was good. I want you to know I am preaching. <laughs> I'm trying. Jesus is the pattern. We are to fit our lives into who Jesus is. He showed us the way that we can overcome these things. We don't have to live our lives like there's no hope. We have hope, and it's Jesus. He is the God man. He is the man that did it all. And everything that Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man. He didn't do it just as God. He did it as man. He was fully God and he was fully man. And everything he went through from the time he was born till the time he died, he did as a human being. He did it as a man. He set aside his divinity to walk it out in human flesh. Philippians chapter 2 paints this beautifully. Philippians chapter 2 is such a beautiful chapter. I didn't have it, but I'm going to read it because it's so good. So we got time. You ain't got nothing going on until, you know, 2 o'clock, right? Till Thursday. Yeah. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 because I need to read this. It's so good. Verse 6. Though he was God, this is Jesus. Some people say, well, Jesus wasn't God. It says right there he was. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or something to grasp, or something to hold on to, or use to his advantage. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave it up. I'm giving up my divine privileges. I'm not using that to my advantage. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Born as a human, not as God, as a human. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus humbled himself. He set aside his divinity. He, he took his divinity off. He set it down. He says, I'm coming to do this as a man because I have to do this as a man. I have to show them. I have to go through the things these people go through. I have to go and experience the pain that these people go through. I have to, have to fight through the sin that everybody has to fight through. I'm going through this as a man. 
But yes, Jesus, his life is the pattern. His life is the pattern. He was submitted completely to, Jesus, to God. Submitted, Philippians 2 say. How do you walk this faith out? How do you walk this, this thing out? It's submission to God in all things. Jesus was, yes, anointed by the Father. When he was baptized, we saw Father came down and said, this is my son, I'm well pleased, right? The big, the big aha moment. That was the anointing of the Father saying, I've anointed him for this. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that, when the Holy Spirit came, he walked in power. He didn't do any miracles until the Spirit fell. So God, Jesus is the pattern for believers. We're born again, right? We're anointed by the Father. We're filled with the Spirit, and we go out, and we do as Jesus did. I'm not saying we're Jesus, but I am saying we represent Jesus. And if he's the pattern, we fit ourselves into that pattern and walk it out. Jesus is the pattern. We just have to walk that out. He was the great example. Acts 10.38 says that he was anointed by the Father who was filled with the Spirit and he went about doing good works. He's worthy to follow. He's per the perfect pattern, so he's worthy to be followed. Jesus is worthy of my affections because he gets me. He knows the pain I go through. He knows all the struggles. He knows the disappointment. He knows when the depression hits, what that feels like. He knows what anxiety feels like. He bled drops of blood. He knows what anxiety is like. But yet he did not give up. He was fully man. And I think we forget that. And that's what Christmas is really about. It's celebrating his humanity. That he came to us. Easter's about his divinity. That he was ascended to the right hand of the Father. But we celebrate Christ's humanity. That he came to us, God with us, and dwelt among men. He was fully man and fully God. He was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. We know he is fully man. We need this because God cannot be tempted. Let that sink in a little bit. See, it's this fact that the God, the Son, came to us in the form of a weak, helpless baby. That gives us hope for salvation. We must never forget or remove the deity of Christ, that is him being God. Never forget that. Many people, even branches of Christianity, deny the fact that Jesus is God. I'm telling you, they're wrong. Scripture is very plain that Jesus is God. It's his deity. It's the fact that Jesus is God that makes his sacrifice sufficient for us. If he wasn't God, then his sacrifice, it was just another man dying for us. Or just dying, not even dying for us, saying he's dying for us. But if he's God, in fact God, then his, then his death and his sacrifice means everything. Yes. 2 Corinthians 5.16 puts it this way. Because we know that God, that, that Jesus is God, we stop looking at people this way as well. We stop looking at people in their human way, but we see a different reality happening. And so Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.16-21 through 21 says this. I'm going to pick it up in verse 15 because I forgot to give it to him up there. St. Corinthians 5, pick it up in 15, because this is the, the so how we stopped evaluating others part. He goes, we, he died, this is Jesus, for everyone, that's you, you're an everyone, we talk about this every week, you're an everyone, you're an all, right, you're an us, 
He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. So when you come to Jesus and you submit to Jesus, you no longer live for yourself, you live for God. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have, because of this, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. However, we know him differently now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new life, a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. You're new. You're made new. When you, when you give your life to Jesus, you're made new. And then in January 8th, we get to celebrate that. We're doing baptisms. So if you haven't signed up for that, do that. We have already a bunch of people wanting to do that. So January 8th, we're going to celebrate that, that, that realization that we've been born into a new life. The old is gone. The new has come. We're, we're, we're identifying with Christ. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, all of us, all of us as believers, this task of reconciling people to him. If you've been saved by God and you're living for him, then you've been given this task to reconcile the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation that you can be right with God through Christ Jesus. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, when we walk into the store, when we walk into church, when we walk into our homes, when we walk into our works, we are making this appeal to people. Come back to God. Come back to God. My life is representative of my submission to him. And because I'm submitted to him, come back to God. See how I'm living it out. See how my life is different. See what God's doing through me. God wants to do the same thing through you. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are right with God. Because of him, we can come to him. Hebrews 4.16, we read that a minute ago. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God. There, will, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Do you need help today? Do you need grace today? Do you need forgiveness today? Do you need healing today? Jesus offers that. You can come to him. It's, it's us walking into his throne room. Do you think about when you pray, do you think about this thought of us walking into the throne of God? Like we're walking up to the throne and the father's sitting there and you come to him and you can do it boldly without fear because you're his child and you're submitted to him. And when you come to him, you can ask and he will give you grace and he will give you mercy. So this is what it looks like. I come to God, I'm here, I repent, my life gets changed, he gives me mercy. He gives me mercy. For this is what happens when you become a Christian. He gives you mercy. You admit your, your sins to God, you repent. He gives you mercy, he forgives you, he makes you right. And then after that, he gives you something else. He gives you grace. So he puts your backpack on you and he loads up your backpack with all this stuff you're going to need to walk this thing out. And he gives you grace to walk it out. And so many people just walk out without getting the grace and they fall on their face because they forget about that. They just want the forgiveness. They want to feel good about what they're doing and move on. But God's saying, no, I'm giving you the power to overcome that. I'm giving you the grace. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to live in you and move through you and move out of you and to do what God's called you to do. That's why, that's why this whole Jesus thing is such good news. Amen. 
Man, because he doesn't leave you where you are. He doesn't say, well, I forgive you, you're good. He doesn't leave you where you are. He, he forgives you. He sets you free. He gives you a new life, and you walk it out in power, just like Jesus walked it out. Jesus is the pattern. That's why he had to come in the way he did, so we could see his life, a living, breathing example of what it means to have a life submitted to Christ, a life submitted to God, and walk that out. So what do we do? What do we do when we face all these things? What do we do when we have all these issues? We would do well to dive into Hebrews 12.3. And the writer of Hebrews tells us what we need to do. Consider. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever you're going through right now, we would do well to do, to do this. Consider Jesus. The writer of Hebrews in 12.3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Jesus endured everything. You name it, he endured it. Betrayal, beatings, death. You're still breathing, so you haven't endured that much yet. But he endured it all. Consider him, the one that went before us. Consider him who endured all hostility. Consider him lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know why you lose hope? Because you, you lose your vision. You lose hope because you lose your vision. You've taken your eyes off of what's important. You've taken your eyes off the possibility and you've only looked at the outcome. When you put your eyes on the possibilities through Jesus Christ, you have hope again. Hope arises in you and you have peace and you have joy and you have all the wonderful things we, we that tie into Christmas, right? Put your eyes back on him. He is the one that we should be considering this moment. Not our problems, not our troubles, not the things we're going through, but consider Jesus the one that we should be considering. And you will not become weary and discouraged in your souls. Are you weary today? Are you discouraged? Are you hopeless? I'm telling you, God's got all you need. You just have to come to him. So, Christian, if you want to come up, I want to close this way. I can have the prayer team come up. I know some of you came up, but I want to give the opportunity as well. What do you need to consider Jesus in? What are you leaving in your life? What, what is in your life that you have not considered Jesus? Meaning, what is in your life that you've never looked to Jesus and asked him to deal with it? Or look how he dealt with it and move forward? What's the thing in your life right now where you need to consider him who endured all things so that you may endure? Where's the thing that you're outside of the pattern of Christ in? To get back in that pattern, it's called repentance. It's meaning turning from where you're going, turning back, getting back in with Jesus and letting him control your life. Whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. I guarantee you, he's the answer. I live my whole life looking for a different answer. There isn't one. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. He's the answer. Consider him. In your pain today, consider him. In your hunger, consider him. In your anxiety and your doubt, consider him. In your depression, in your sickness, in your frustration, consider him. He's been through it all. He gets us. He knows. He feels. 
He understands you. And he's been victorious through it all. And now he's standing at the right hand of the Father saying, come on, you got this. I showed you the way. All you got to do is walk in my ways and you can make it. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Simple, but yet so hard. So I want you all to stand. We're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to get prayer from one of our ministry team leaders. These people love you. They want to pray for you. They want to touch heaven with you. And today, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. If you're sitting in the seat, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. And then something hit you today. Maybe it was a song we're singing. Maybe it was the presence of God himself. Maybe it was one of the words I said. But you want to give your life to Christ. Say, I need to follow this pattern. My way is not working. I need another way. And I know it's Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to come up and get prayer. If you're online, just let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. Maybe today you just need healing. Maybe you need to know if somebody cares. Maybe you need somebody to sympathize with you. Not to say, oh, it's going to, you know, I'm so sorry. But say, no, Jesus has the answer. We're going to walk through this. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need encouragement. Whatever you need, God has it for you. Just trust God to work through these people. Because he does. So I'm going to pray. Christian's going to play this song. I would encourage you to press in where you're at. If, if you want to sing, you can sing. If you want to pray, you can pray. Just spend some time with the Father. Spend some, spend some time with Jesus. Maybe thank him for knowing and understanding today. But whatever you need, just press into Jesus this morning. So Father God, I pray for everyone today, Lord, that they would come up and get prayer. Everyone that needs prayer, that they would come up and get prayed for, God, and that you would answer their prayers, Lord, that you would break forth in miracles, signs, and wonders. God, we thank you, God, that you are still a miracle-working God, that you still change lives, you still transform destinies, that, God, you are still working, and I thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for Christmas and the joy of knowing that you came down from heaven and you dwelt among us on this earth. You walked among us, you felt what we felt, and you know what we know, and we can come to you as a friend. And we thank you for that, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior, but you're also my friend. Thank you for your friendship. And so, Lord, whoever needs prayer, I just pray that you would come down right now and they would receive prayer. Holy Spirit, draw them in Jesus' name.